in chapter 47, we see they meet him and Pharaoh speaks to Joseph saying, listen, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. And Pharaoh gives them the best the best, the best, the best, and even offers some positions in his own company. This is amazing. This is true restoration. We see the plan of God at work because Pharaoh knows had it not been for Joseph, Egypt would have perished. But now Egypt is so blessed and the world is coming to Egypt for help. By now, Jacob is around 130 years old. And even in their interaction between Jacob and, and Pharaoh and Jacob's sons, Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Remember, in Egyptian culture, the Pharaoh was like a god. But he receives the blessing of Jacob. And you can just see that God is all over this. God is all over this, making the impossible possible. The famine is getting worse. Okay, it, it, it's lasted so long, it's getting worse. And people came to Egypt to buy grain. But then after that, the money fails. So J Joseph receives livestock and land as payment. So because of that, Pharaoh is getting extremely rich. He has money, but now he's getting livestock and he's getting land. And under Joseph's administration, his strategy, Pharaoh owned all of the land. And the people will work it for the price of um, one-fifth of the produce of the land. So as they work it, they would have to give Pharaoh some every year, and then the rest they can keep for themselves. As time is passing, Israel, the family, dwells in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they have many possessions, and they grow and they multiply exceedingly. Israel, who was Jacob, is getting ready to die now. He has lived in Egypt for 17 years. He's 147 now. And uh, when he is getting ready to die, he calls Joseph and asks Joseph to vow a vow that he's going to not bury him in Egypt, but he's going to bury him in the place of his fathers where Abraham and Isaac were buried. And Joseph promises. And one of the things I love about this is as he's getting ready to transition from life into death, and he's having this interaction with Joseph, you, you learn that he is 147. So he's been in Egypt for 17 years. And it just mirrors the amount of time that Joseph had with him before he was sold into slavery. And for me, I just see that as such restoration. He had 17 years at the beginning. Then he, was, he went into Egypt as a slave. And then God gave him 17 years again with Joseph. And, you know, that is just so, so remarkable how God moves with restoration. Truly, when your life is in God, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. He ensures that everything that he has promised you, you get. Joseph is bringing his children to meet their, their grandfather, and the grandfather is blessing them. He's blessing them with the blessing of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And in the blessing of them, he adopts the two children as his own. And he says to them specifically, the two children that were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine, as Reuben and Simeon 
they shall be mine. Now, Reuben is the firstborn, Simeon is the secondborn. So he takes them in the position of the firstborn and the secondborn. That is something that you, you need to pay attention to, all right? This is a blessing that uh, Joseph's children are getting. And so in that, Joseph is doubly blessed. He says, any offspring that you have after them shall be yours, but these two, they will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. So they have just moved up, all right? They're going to be named among their uncles in the inheritance. So God allowed Jacob to see Joseph again, but not only Joseph, Joseph's children. So he blesses them, but in blessing them, Jacob blesses the secondborn as the leader. And then Joseph is trying to say, no, no, it's Manasseh is the first one, Ephraim's the second one. And Jacob's like, I know what I'm doing. The younger is going to go first. And this is not the first time we're seeing this. We saw this with Jacob and Esau. We saw this Joseph and his brothers. His brothers had to end up bowing down to him. So the younger is going to be blessed um, more than the first, right? And he blesses them in verses 15 to 16 saying this, and he blessed Joseph. Although he put his hands on Joseph's kids, but through Joseph's kids, Joseph is going to be extremely blessed as well. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So they are blessed. Uh, Joseph is blessed in seeing his children blessed. And God is continued on the covenant that he started with Abram. Going into chapter 49, after Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, he is now in a, going to start prophetically blessing his other sons. And he starts off with Reuben. He has, remember, he has 12 children, so I'm going to read just a little bit of what each child gets. Now, Reuben is the firstborn. He would have got the birth, birthright and the double portion. But be, this is the time when Jacob brings back what Reuben did by sleeping with his concubine, Bilhah. And so because of that, and because he's unstable, he does not get that double portion. He does not get that, that birthright. And then he, he goes to Simeon and Levi, and then he, he speaks to them based on what they did to the men of Shechem when they wanted the justice for the rape of their sister Dinah. Remember all the way back in Genesis 34? So because they went out and killed the men, plundered the city, and lied, they do not get the blessing that they were supposed to get because of their acts of violence. And then he talks about a separation between the two, and that becomes a blessing for Levi later on. Um, and we will see because out of the tribe of Levi, they will get a specific blessing for the descendants in Exodus. That's what happens to Simeon and Levi. Then he goes to Judah. Judah was the fourth child. And he says that, his brothers shall praise him, right? And that he, he likened him to a lion and his role as a family's leader was established, all right? So from Judah's line, much later we get King David and we also get Jesus. So his Judah's line is going to be a line of leadership, of kingship, and of blessing. 
And even through the accounts as I've been reading for you, you saw the character change in Judah and how he rose to be a major leader within his family. And then he goes on to Zebulun, who will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. They're talking about the descendants and the, the, the nation that will come from each son. Um, Issachar, who uh, was described as a, like a, basically a strong donkey lying between saddlebags and inheriting a good land. So he, he talks about his land going to be a really rich land in time to come. He goes to Dan. This tribe will provide justice to his people, but they will also be like a snake on the roadside that bites horses' heels. So there'll be some trouble with the tribe. And we see much later on that they actually introduce idolatry into Israel. So uh, it's just something to note. He goes to his son Gad, and he says he will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will attack them at their heels. So Gad becomes a tribe of mighty warriors of fine troops that will serve um, King David much later on. And he says to Asher um, that this son, his food would be rich and that he would provide delicacies fit for a king. Also speaking about his position and his land in time to come. And he speaks to Nephali, another son, and he says, is a dear, he's a deer let loose and he uses beautiful words. The interesting thing about that is that the land that's attributed to Nephali much later on becomes a place where Jesus does much of his teaching. So we see the connection there. Then he goes on to his last, the last two, Joseph, who gets a beautiful blessing, just a beautiful blessing. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. And he speaks about the different things that Joseph has gone through. But he says, especially in verse 26, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. So we see just blessing coming through Joseph's line. And then even in the, the blessing that he gives to Joseph, he, he talks about God as the mighty God of Jacob, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the God of your father, the almighty. So it's truly uh, a God-rich prophecy and blessing over Joseph. And then he talks about Benjamin, the last born, and he says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. And this was a tribe that will be known for their fierceness, okay? So this was the short summary of the blessings over the sons. I encourage you to read through it and see what it says. You're not going to understand all of it right now, but as we go through the action of the narrative, you'll start to connect the dots later on, okay? We're still in Genesis, which sets the stage for all that is to come. And so after blessing his sons, Jacob reminds them where to bury him. Don't bury me in Egypt. Take me to the cave of my fathers, um, the cave of Machpelah, where his fathers are Abraham and Isaac. And then Jacob dies. And that brings us to chapter 50 of the book of Genesis. I'm so glad you're still with me. All right. So Jacob dies and Joseph mourns him deeply. He allows him to be embalmed. It's a sign of respect to the Egyptian people and a sign of courtesy that they allow Jacob to be embalmed. And the Egyptians mourn Jacob for 70 days. A royal mourning period was 72. 
and they, they mourn for 70, too short of what they would give to someone in the royal family. So Jacob was obviously a greatly honored man. All of the sadness, all of this mourning, and Joseph speaks to the household of Pharaoh and he tells them about the vow that he made to bury his father in Canaan. And then he speaks to Pharaoh and Pharaoh gives him permission to go. He knows that jo Joseph is going to come back. He's still going to serve. So he gives him permission to go. Here's what it says in verses 7 to 10 of chapter 50. So Joseph went up to bury his father and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. That would have been quite a sight to see the honor and the respect that they showed to Joseph and Joseph's father, Jacob, in the land. Going to carry him to Canaan to bury him, all of these people went. And it says, just as Jacob had asked, they did. And they carried him into Canaan, into the field of Machpelah, and they, they buried him in the burial place with Abraham and Isaac. Wow, look at that. And after this, this grand burial, this grand mourning period, the brothers and Joseph return home to Egypt. And now the brothers are afraid. They're afraid that Joseph is going to cut them off because the father who was their protection is now dead. And they make up this story. We believe it's made up because we don't see any indication of Jacob saying this or even thinking this before he died, they, the brothers tell Joseph that their father begged for mercy for them and for that their sins would be forgiven. And as I close up this, this section of Genesis in the book of Genesis, I want to read to you verses 19 to 21 with Joseph responds to his brothers, seeing that they're afraid, they're anxious, they're unsure of what's going to happen because now Joseph's in a place to like really do it to them if he wants to. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about it, bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph had no intention, no desire to treat them badly. Because he understood that it was not them who had did something to him. It was God who was in it all the way, at all the times. In, the, in Potiphar's house, in the prison, in Pharaoh's house, it was God who put this together so that many people would be saved. So Joseph has no intention to seek some type of revenge on them. And in the life of Joseph... There are many parallels to the life of Jesus. Many, many parallel, parallels. He is loved by his father. He's a shepherd. 
to his father's sheep. He he's sent by his father to his brothers. He's hated by his brothers. You know, he others plot to kill him. He is tempted, um, but he he overcomes the temptation. He's taken to Egypt, and his robes are taken for him. He's bound in chains. He's falsely accused, and and on and on and on. He suffers. He's exalted after his suffering. We see a lot of parallels between Joseph and Jesus. And here we see the heart, the heart of, of, of God's own. Jesus says to the people, forgive them for they know not what they do. So in Joseph, we see some of the characteristics that Jesus carried. Joseph has no intention of getting back at his brother. He is not even thinking that way. So Joseph is living in Egypt with his family. Oh my gosh, look at restoration. And he lives 110 years, right? So we see the blessing of God on him, long life. He sees his children down to the third generation. And although he had a lot of hardships at the beginning of his life, that did not stop the rest of his life. He got through them and he was blessed because of his positioning. When it's his turn to die, he takes an oath from the children of Israel and he says, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So he knew that they were going to be visited by God and that they were going to return to their promised land, to the land of Canaan. So he says, listen, when you're going, just take my bones. So when he does die, they put him in a coffin, but the coffin is not buried. He wants to be buried in the promised land. And that brings us to the end of Genesis, okay? Israel, the, the family of Israel are in Goshen. They're in Egypt. They're prosperous. Jacob has died. They're multiplying. And we're just seeing God has preserved them, preserved them, has blessed them. And there is so much more to come. We see the, the brothers reconciled with Joseph and the prophetic blessings that God, that Jacob has given to each one of them. And from the, the sons, we get some notable people. Uh, the son of from the family of Levi, we'll get Aaron and Moses. We're going to see Eli, John the Baptist, much later on. From the line of Judah, we're going to get King David and Jesus. From the line of Joseph, we're going to get Joshua and Deborah. Gideon and Samuel, and from the line of Benjamin, we'll, we'll see Saul and Esther and Paul. So just some notable people from some of the sons of Jacob. As I wrap up this, this session, this part, this book of Genesis, I just want to briefly remind you of the themes that we see. Definitely, we see the theme of covenant. God is faithful to his word and he will do what he has said he will do. He will remember and he will walk you through the journey. That's another theme. There's process from promise to fulfillment. There is a journey we go through. Sometime in our lives, we want to see everything happen right away, but there is a journey. There is a process. So stay faithful with God, stick with God, and he will bring you to where you need to be. We also see the theme of forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness and mercy, especially exemplified in Joseph, how he forgave and how he had mercy because he understood that it was God who was in control of his life and God who was working behind the scenes. God, he has a plan, you know, with 
his guidance, we will walk out the steps that are ordered for us. And he will cause us to be flourishing and blossoming in the place where he wants us to be. You may not be traveling to a physical land, but you are definitely becoming more like Jesus as you walk with God. And he will help you to claim the territory internally so that you can reflect him accurately on the earth and uh, reveal his glory to the world. And then we also see a foreshadowing of Jesus in the life of Joseph. God works with a plan. Nothing is haphazard. God doesn't react. He goes in front and he prepares for us. And he has done that ultimately in Jesus. And as we walk with him, we will experience the fruit of our lands. All right, so we have come to the end of session four. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you, that you have learned as you've journeyed through Genesis. We are about to go into Exodus next week and look on what continues from the, the family of Israel that has now come into Egypt. And I believe that God will meet you in the pages of the scripture and show you his heart, show you how he moves, show you how he thinks and how he can take an ordinary person and do an extraordinary thing in and through them. Bless you as you go and I invite you to subscribe to our channel so you'll know when the next episode will come out. And also if you want to support this initiative, this project through the Bible, we will show you ways how to do it. And lastly, as you journey and you encounter God's heart, the best revelation of God is through his son Jesus. And today is the greatest day for you to enter into relationship with him. And it simply comes by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he is who he says that he is, that he is the one who has saved us from our sins and that we truly need to change and follow him. All right. So if that is you, please get in touch with us. We'd love to, to talk with you, to bless you and to help you to journey through this life with God as we all journey through the scriptures together. Dr. Michelle, blessing you this week. See you next week.